Core values. We've been talking the last few weeks. I'm going to be very quick. Salt and light. Have you been being salt and light? You've been a change agent to your community, to your work, or has it been changing you? Are you standing on the authority of God's word? That's what we were singing this morning. And, you know, there's a lot of battles going on in our church right now in, in the spirit, in, uh, against your body, against your job, against your life. You know, that first, the second song we sang, I'm in a fight, not physical. These things that we are battling is in the spirit. And they're real. I'm in a war, but not of this world. The, the good thing is, is we are on the side that wins the spiritual. These demonic forces, when we engage in God's word, have to flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he's going to leave you. You know that scripture? The thing we get caught up with, and this is not what I'm preaching on, is we want to pray, Lord God, help the devil to get away from me. No, we have to resist. We have to resist. Submit to God who? Hello? Who submit? Me. Resist the devil. Who? You. Me. And then Satan has to leave. The things that you're battling, these demonic activity that's going on in your kids, in your life, at your work, you have a part to play. And if you walk through what God has said, the Satan is going to flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he has to go. But we have to resist. I was talking to the uh, fourth through thir- sixth grade this morning, talking to them about how, what, what are the things that come at you at school? What are the things that want to cause you to sin? We need to recognize those and resist. Resist. Are you with me? And Satan has to go. He has to go. All right, core values, salt and light. Standing on the authority of God's word was number two. Number three was a heart for lost people. How have you been doing? Have you been going after lost people? At least you're honest. Have you? Yes. Amen. I love feedback. I love feedback. God loves feedback. Anybody say amen to that? There's power in you speaking. Amen. Heart for lost people. We've been looking starting uh, uh, last week is love for people. And how many knows it takes God to love people? We got to have the Lord. We've got to be asking for more. You know, that song, Counting on God, I want more, I want all that's yours. Give it all to me. Give it all to me. We've got to be asking. You have not because you ask not. Amen? What did we see last week? Let's take a quick look at this in John 13. But I'm giving you a new command. You must love each other as I have loved you. Verse 35. If you love each other, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So what did we see from the scripture? Two things. Number one, this is from last week. We are to love others as he loves us. You know, it's amazing the love of God that he loves us, even though he knew what we were going to do and he knows what we're going to do. He knew what we were going to do and he knew what I'm getting confused here. He knew before I was saved how I was going to act. He knew how I was going to act after I was saved. How many knows it's still a struggle even after you get saved? It's a struggle. 
submit to God, resist the devil, those are the, that's the saved people. That means we still have a part to play. It's not just all done. We have to walk it out. It is done. The power of sin is broken. We just have to walk it out. Where is it broken? It's broken in you. you it has no power over you if you don't let it. Amen. I got a couple of you. We're getting there. I need, I need some ameners. There we go, Steve. Can't believe you heard me. Amen. My musicians can't hear. Reading my lips. No new taxes. No, just kidding. Okay. But look what it says next. Our love for others indicates our love for God. That's what I was talking to these young kids again this morning. Would those kids at school know you're a Christian by the way you act? Parents, adults at, at work, would your people around you know you're a Christian just by the way you act? It's an indicator. It's an indicator. What are you made of? What's coming out of you? But it indicates that we love Jesus. I don't have to go and tell people I love Jesus. They should see it by the way I love them. So, as we dive in today, how do we apply this? How do we love as Jesus loved? We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you brought your Bibles, please turn with me there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul gives us some building bridges of love that can bear the weight of truth. You know, he became a motley crew to this uh, port town of Corinth. And we're going to look at five models that we see from this scripture. How do we love as Jesus loved? Number one. I promise you, it will get better. Abandonment of rights. Let's look in verse 3. Abandonment of rights. Verse 3. When people question me, Paul says, I tell them that Barnabas and I, what? If it says this in your translation, this is the uh, contemporary English version. Have the right. I have the right. I would encourage you, underline that. I have the right to drink, to, to our food and drink. Verse 5, here it comes again. We each have the right to marry one of the Lord's followers and take her along with us. Skip to verse 11. When we told the message to you, it was like planting spiritual seeds. Now, here it comes again. I'd underline it again. So we have the right. In fact, he goes on in verse 12 to say, if we have the right to do this, here's the phrase again, we have an even greater right. Three times Paul says, we have the right. Referring to himself and Barnabas. And then he says, in fact, as I look around, we even have a greater right. Four times, I have the right, I have the right. But notice what he says in the next verse. And be sure to underline it because it's the key to the whole ch- this whole chapter of ours. What does it say? But we haven't used this right of ours. But we haven't used this right of ours. We are willing to put up with anything to keep from causing trouble for the message about Christ. Can you imagine the church doing anything that it could to keep from causing trouble for the message about Christ. Church, y'all are doing great. This is not a uh, slap on the hands this morning. 
but I want you to catch this. He says, we haven't used our right. It's one thing, let me not get ahead of myself. We have the right. He's saying, even though we have all these privileges, we haven't used our rights. He said, we are willing to put up with anything to keep us from causing trouble about the message of Christ. Who gave us a picture of someone that gave up their right? Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, came to earth and gave up his right at every turn. Right? Paul's saying, you know, we have these rights. But we willingly give up our right in order to reach those that need Jesus. We have this right. We have that right. You know, that's a world that we live in. My rights. Isn't it? Don't take away my rights. But we haven't used this right of ours. We were willing to put up with anything to keep from causing trouble. Number two, the first one again was uh, abandonment of rights. Number two, and we're going to come back to it. Number two is acceptance of responsibility. Notice Paul's acceptance of responsibility. He said, I'm not only willing to give up my right, but I'm willing to understand. He said that I'm responsible for people, that I'm my brother's keeper, and that I'm a debtor to every person. It's one thing to give up your right, but it's another thing to pick up your responsibility. Jesus did that. Paul learned this from Jesus. You know, if you go back to the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, do you remember that story we talked about last week? How all the disciples were in the upper room and there was no servant, and they all looked around, I wonder who's going to do the washing of the feet. Well, who accepted the responsibility? It was Jesus. But this word basin is only used two times in Scripture, and it's within a 24-hour period. The other time this word basin was used was by Pilate. Do you remember the context of what he used it for? The people were wanting to crucify Jesus. And Pilate saw no error in Jesus. He's like, he's done no wrong. They said, crucify him, crucify him. What did he say? Go get the basin and fill it with water. And you remember what he did? He washed his hands clean of his responsibility. It's his responsibility. It wasn't the people's. He says, his blood be on you. Not on me. But I want you to catch what Jesus did. Jesus gave up his rank to wash the feet of the disciples. He took on responsibility. He gave up his right. His right said he didn't have to do it. Remember, Peter even made it clear. You shouldn't be doing this. You're not going to wash my feet. It's like, oh, yeah, I am. Well, then go ahead and just wash my whole body. You remember the story? Jesus gave up his rank, gave up his right. And he picked up responsibility. We must accept responsibility. Jesus picked up the basin, filled it with water, and washed the disciples' feet. Genuine love never becomes genuine until those two things happen. You give up your right, and you pick up responsibility. You want a successful marriage? Husbands, give up your rights and take responsibility. And you will have a successful marriage. Give up your rights. Whenever it becomes about you, whenever your marriage is about you being pleased, you've got problems. It's not going to work. 
when you turn it the other direction and you focus on being the husband or the wife that you are supposed to be, God comes in. We sit here and we try to change our spouses. Let me tell you, your job is not to change your spouse. That's God's job. God created them. You didn't. Change you. Husbands, you come into marriage counseling for me, I'm going to tell you. I don't want to hear how bad your wife is. How are you doing? Let's get you right. Can I get an amen from the women? Amen. Usually I'm real supportive. The women really support me there. Y'all probably start sending me your husbands. Great. Listen, I don't have it all together either. Amen. 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 When we get self-centered is when we get in trouble. Same thing with walking with love and up for others. We've got to give up our right. You've got to give up our right. You may think I'm waiting for them to make the move. Nope. You know what you're doing is you're wanting them to take responsibility, not you. You're wanting your wife to make the move to, to bring forgiveness. Nope. Men, you take the responsibility. You get out the basin and wash the feet. Even though you're, it's not your right. You don't have to. You choose to. You hear me? Buddy with me? Maybe a little deep. I don't, you know, there's a price to friendship. You want to be a good friend? What have you got to do? You've got to listen. You've got to care. You've got to give up what you want for that other person. Number three, how do we love as Jesus loved? Acceptance of the role, come on, of the role of servant. Those kids are really on fire back there this morning, aren't they? That's three times I've heard them. I know this because in verse 19, the role of servant, it says, I am not anyone's slave, but I have become a slave to everyone so that I can win as many people as possible. Do you catch that? I'm not a slave, but I become a slave in order to win as many as I can. So that I can win as many as possible. Church, this is Paul. This is a man just like you and me. Amen. He's basically saying, I'm willing to submit myself. The highest authority is not the law. The highest authority is love. On the same note, the next one, how to love like Jesus loved is the adjustment to people's needs. I think this is one of the greatest tests of servanthood. And genuine love is, are we willing to adjust ourselves? Are we willing to make changes within ourselves that can reach and love and meet the needs of others? Church, do you know that when you come into the kingdom of God and you receive Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it's a birth and all kinds of change has to take place. And the change never stops. You want to think we're going to arrive at some point, but we don't. We, we, we kind of get over one hump and then realize there's another one coming. And it means we just need to continue to improve. We have not arrived. We have got to learn to adjust. And we've got to learn to adjust to the people's needs. What do I mean? Let's continue again in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 20. And I want you to catch how many times it says when. When is the key word in this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9 20. When I am with the Jews, I live like a Jew to win Jews. 
They are ruled by the law of Moses, and I am not, but I live by the law to win them. This is probably going to mess with your theology a little bit. Here it comes again. When I am with people who are not ruled by the law, I forget about the law to win them. Of course, he said, I never really forget about the law of God. In fact, I am ruled by the law of Christ. And then verse 22, when I am with people whose faith is weak, I live as they do to win them. I do everything I can to win everyone I possibly can. What does that mean? That means when we're going after somebody that's lost, we don't approach them where we are. We approach them where they are. They're not going to hear what you have to say if you keep bringing this. I want to call it a religious spirit where we sound like we're better than they are. Sound, we make somebody feel like they're wrong. Who likes to be around somebody that makes you feel like you're wrong all the time? I don't. You want to be next to somebody that loves you, that can speak into you. Let me tell you, you need to build relationship before you start going too deep here. That's how they're going to know they can trust you is because you love them. And when they know you love them, they're going to hear your message. And when you, when you love them and you get to know them, you're going to know how to talk to them. Uh, Wednesday, I had gone to Avery Trace about a month ago and shared a message about the impact of music. And Noel Cherry said, Paul, the high schoolers need to hear this. I said, great, I'd love to go. So I go to the high school and um, I just share a little bit about how song lyrics get in your head, how they sneak in. I used uh, Psalm 119.11 about your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sing it, sin against you. But Satan takes that same ability. How many knows you can flip it on the 80s channel or 70s and you haven't heard the song in 20 years, but you remember every lyric. All of a sudden, you can just rattle it off and your kids are like, what? What's up with that? But Satan uses what God created. God created that to, to help your memory, to bring to remembrance. You're going to go home tonight, and I hope you're going to be singing, I'm counting on God. It's kind of goofy, kind of cheesy, but I'm counting on God, I'm counting on You know, and next thing you know, you're in the middle of a storm, and I'm counting on God. God uses that to plant it down deep. Well, Satan will take the same thing and plant it down deep. And I started singing, uh, you, da-da-da. Na 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 na. Can't remember the words. Cause you're hot and you're cold. Next thing you know, they start singing the whole song. Now I couldn't let them sing the whole song because it gets bad. That's why I brought it up. And then I sang, "I got a feeling." What did everybody do? That tonight's gonna be okay. But what I'm saying is, subtly, they may not even like the song, but they know it. Satan's got them. I even asked him, would you be willing to sing a cuss word if it's in a song, even though you wouldn't say it in regular language? They all raise their hand. Satan can subtly get you. But what I was doing with these kids is if I went in and preached like I'm preaching to you, they wouldn't hear it. They need to hear where they are in a language that they understand. Let me tell you, they understand current music. That's where they are. So what I do, I put some sing song head song in their head so that they'd be singing that all day long. I'm going to use God's tactics to defeat what Satan's doing. 
But do you see, we have to reach them where they are. Not go in and preach my message that they're not going to hear. What do, am I just, do, does my time mean nothing? I'll just go and talk to anybody, even if they don't hear me. Nope. I want them to hear me. And my job's to make an impact. I've been given a platform. It's my job to make an impact. That's why what I bring you every single week, I try to bring you something that's going to impact you. That's going to give you a tool to get through what you're going through. And you've been struggling knowing how to reach this person that's lost in your life. Listen to them and reach them where they are. You know, we're in Tennessee and Kentucky. You might have to be redneck. I'm a redneck. My dad was born in Jackson County. My mom was born in McMinnville. Can't get her to say McMinnville. She says McMinnville and McDonald's. Come on. There is no A in Mick. But we're country. Or if you're around highly educated people, you need to speak their language. Do you hear me? They're not going to hear your language. You got to speak theirs. Do you hear Paul? When I'm with the Jews, I act like a Jew. When I'm with someone that has no faith, I act like somebody who's got no faith. When I'm with somebody that's all about the, what, that doesn't care about the law, I act like I don't care about the law. I do care about the law. The law is what dictates my life through Christ, but I act like I don't. Is that not what it said? You've got to reach them where they are. You've got to fish where the fish are. You've got to use the bait that they'll take. That's exactly what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Jesus left heaven, the son of God, and came to earth as a baby. Think about how uncomfortable he wasn't. I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't go into the mind of Christ. But think what a, what a, what a culture shock it would be for him. He gave up everything. He gave up every ride he had for us, for sons of men to become sons of God. He gave up everything. He gave up everything. He was willing to give up everything. It's such a struggle with the attitudes of Christians. So many times we are unwilling to inconvenience ourselves and give up the likes, our likes and our priorities and our warm fuzzies to show the love of Christ to people. And it shouldn't be that way. One nice thing about life groups is, you know, they're out there to care for you and to meet your needs. I look out even this morning and see life group leaders and they've got a bunch of families. And every time one of those mamas have a baby, and we're about to have some more babies. Praise God. Robert Owens just keeps having, Dana Owens just keeps having babies. Or somebody has surgery for the next couple of days, these life groups will kick into gear and start taking food, start making phone calls, start reaching out. So that there's no pressure or stress on the family. We, every now and then, Pastor Stephen and I will go to the hospital to visit someone from the church. And usually somebody from the life groups already showed up. What a, what a, that is the church functioning like it's supposed to function. Lay people, lay people loving each other, ministering to each other, caring for each other, reaching out and letting the walls come down. But then finally... Model number five, anticipation of rewards. You know what? It, it, people want to get kind of mixed up in their theology that, that it's selfish to expect a return. God told us what the return was to expect it. He expects you, if you plant a seed in the ground, to expect a return. How many here has ever planted a garden? 
do you expect vegetables to come up? It is exactly the same. God expects you to plant spiritual seeds and to expect a return. It's a law. It's God's law. The same way that the earth's law works when you plant a seed in good soil, it produces. Let me tell you, this world is going to go away. God's kingdom isn't. This law will remain. You sow seed whenever you brought your offering up this morning. Do you expect a return? You should. I expect a return from my sowing. I can't tell you that I, that I demand God how he gives me the return. I just know him to be a good enough father to give me the return I need. When I need it. He gives you the return you need when you need it. We should expect it. You know, I can't wait to, I can't wait to get my crown. You know, we got a crown coming. Woo. I want the reward. Look at what Paul says in verse 24. You know, many runners enter, many runners enter a race and only one of them wins the prize. So run to win. Somebody go for victory. Who needs victory this week? Run the race. And run it to win. We're a bunch of winners, not losers. We are God's children who do not lose. Run the race. You remember when Jesus said in Matthew that if we give a cold cup of water in his name, it's like giving it to him. Guys, think about this. He's saying that every time we give a cold, cold cup of water in his name, he recognizes it, he writes it down, he accepts it as though you gave it to him. When you go out here to somebody that doesn't deserve your love and love on them anyway, it's like you're loving directly on Jesus. That's how you can do it. That's how you can do it. You know, if we go into all good community and love on people that aren't looking for our love, that might even reject our love, we're loving on them as though we were loving directly on Jesus. And I'm ready to win. I'm ready to win all good housing authority. I'm ready to see them have some victory in their life. And you know who's going to be the one that's impacted? Us. And them. God's so good. He does it all. He does it all. He does it all. So many times we think that we have to be big and significant. Do you know that already today some of you have done some things that God has already noticed? Maybe you came into the sanctuary and put your arm around somebody and then gave them a word of encouragement. Maybe you waved at somebody across the auditorium and smiled and gave them the Thumbs up. You know, you don't know what somebody's going through and you don't know what impact it'll have on somebody. Just by saying, man, you look good today. I'm so glad you're here. How's your mom? How's your situation? How's your health? How's your job? You know what? Let me pray with you just for a minute. It's as though you're doing it directly to Jesus. 
How many, don't raise your hand, how many today needed somebody just to give them a hug? Can you imagine the body of Christ coming together like that? How many of you love lost people? Bring somebody in. Bring somebody in. Let's find somebody that has never felt his love. Do you know what the, one of the number one attractions of Church on the Hill, when we talk to first-time visitors, when we ask them, what do you think of church? Almost always their reaction is, everybody is so loving. Everybody is so nice and outgoing. Let me tell you, church, you're doing good. The thing is, we've got to get it outside the walls. We've got to get it outside the walls. You know, I would want to think when you ask everybody how they like church, they'd say it was the pastor. They don't ever say that. They say it's the love of y'all. Good. That's right. No, it's not you, Stephen. They don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the love. Let's get, let's take something. Let's take what the Lord has done in us this morning in worship through this word, through knowing that we can reach people where they are. And let's make, let's make some kind of impact this week. Some kind of impact on somebody that needs it. I want to encourage you. Jesus died for the sinner. It's not your job to go correct their sin. It's your job to go love on them like Jesus loved on them. They were waiting to stone that, the, the woman. And they're, they're wanting somebody to cast the stone. What Jesus say? Whoever's without sin, go ahead and throw it. And what happened? They all left. And what Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. Go. He didn't sit there and make her feel guilty over what she had done. It's not your job. Love on them. And then give them Jesus. Can I be a coach for a minute or a cheerleader and cheer you on? Man, let's go, let's go make an impact on somebody. One person. One person. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. Lord God, I thank you. Lord, I could feel your spirit in worship. Lord, we have so many things on us. But if we can get us speaking out of our mouths, I am counting on God. God, we can't do the impossible. You can there's somebody in your workplace that you feel like there is no way they're going to come to Jesus. Well, let me tell you, that's not your job. That's God's job. Your job is to love on them. And when you get that opportunity, plant a seed. Plant a seed. They're going to hell if they don't get it. Maybe you're going through something right now in your life. That you just see that this is some hill that you just cannot overcome. You know, this is going to sound backwards, but good. You need the Lord. You need the Lord. In the presence of God, the hills melt like wax. Tumors are removed. Diseases that can't be explained are removed. Relationships that can't be redeemed are redeemed marriages you know what it is time that we turn to God and we expect him to break through in our life you know what that is that's faith and God is pleased by faith 
Lord God, I ask you right now to help us, even out of our own mouths, even though we may not even think it yet. Speak, God, you can handle this thing that's in front of me. And I give it to you. You can handle this unsaved heathen that I'm working with. Lord, I give it to you and I'm going to try my best to love on them. It all starts with you for you said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's where it starts. Loving one another as you have loved us. Help us to look for people in the body to care for, to hug, to smile, to encourage, to lift up. May we be yours. May us love. May we love one another.